So, greetings, welcome everybody who's joining us from channel 11 and 11, and we're reading through the Bible, chronological Bible, the story, which is a chronological Bible, 31 chapters, 31 sermons, and what we have going on is a um, supernatural redemption is the theme, supernatural redemption, God's story, our story. And we're reading five minutes a day. We just read chapter seven, which is called The Battle Begins, book of Joshua. It's the children of Israel going into the land of Canaan. It's a very exciting story. It's all rated for violence, for sure. But um, lots of lessons there we're going to get to in just a moment. The title of the message for today is Five Keys to Possessing the Promised Land. Now, we know that our possession of the spiritual promised land, the experience of heaven, that when Jesus comes back or when we die and we go to heaven, that's symbolically, down through church history and in the Bible, considered the promised land. Um, It's a literal promised land in the story in, in the book of Joshua, but it's symbolic of a spiritual promised land. It's also symbolic of the spiritual promised land of the heaven realm that we are pressing into and going after individually and together every day of our lives now, the heaven realm of God. Now, we know it's grace-based. We know it's a gift. We know that that, um, heaven is a free gift and our acceptance of God is a free gift, but... It's grace, but grace also has means. There are some principles that if we have biblical principles that we apply to our lives, we experience more joy in the experience of the promised land. So that's what we're going after now. Five keys to possessing the promised land from the book of Joshua. And what we're looking at is Joshua chapters 1, verses 1 through 8. We're going to go through the first eight verses of chapter 1 of Joshua. And then a couple verses at the end of the book of Joshua, 40 years later from when uh, what's being referenced in chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. So here's my first talking point. We possess the promised land through a cheerful warfare mindset. This is a literal war. You read Joshua, you know that there is a, it's a pretty crazy war thing that's going on. But there's also a war of faith going on. For instance, when God said, you see that Jordan River there that you have to cross before you get into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, you see that? I want you to cross it without a bridge and without boats. I want the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the, carries the presence of God, and, is, and I want you to, to follow them up to the river's edge, and the, it's it's flooding, I know, it's at flood stage. And, and the river isn't going to part when they arrive at the river's edge. They have to actually put their feet into the river, the rushing water, before it will part. Now, would you agree with me that there's some spiritual warfare going on, especially among the, 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 the priests who have to step into the raging water? And, and Joshua, who was hoping he actually heard from God on this, right? 
So they do it in the, in the river parts, and they actually found um, at the Jordan River at that spot, upstream, there are occasions where there are log jams and, um, and mudslides in a way that does hamper the river from time to time and stop it. So whether it's a miracle of creation or a miracle of coincidence, doesn't matter to me, it's a miracle. They crossed and they um, had a, a warfare going on, a warfare of faith. And of course, Jericho, God said, we're not gonna use weapons to defeat Jericho. Once a day for seven days, march around it in silence. And on the seventh day, march around seven times and then shout and watch what happens. So they did and God did. And the walls of Jericho fell and they defeated Jericho. Then at, at A, the next, oh, sorry, I, the next city they were to uh, take, there was warfare again. Only this time there was a spiritual warfare in that they were not supposed to, to um, keep any of the goods from, the, from um, Jericho. Um, they weren't supposed to keep any of the goods, but one of them did, named Achan. And because of that, they lost an eye. Rewind to Jericho. Think of the, the, the battle of faith in Rahab the harlot. No, no, no... Um, no teaching of the Bible stories, just didn't have any background, but knew there was the presence and power of God. The blessing of God was on these people. These spies that came in, she hid the spies, and, and it was a battle of faith for her because the king and friends said, okay, where's the spies? That they, we know they came to your house, and she said, well, they went that way, you know, but she actually had hid them by faith and, and said, when you, when you defeat Jericho, will you spare my family? And they said, yes, yeah, see this red cord? You put it out the window, and we'll notice the red cord, and you'll be spared. And I think that that symbolizes the blood of Jesus, that red cord. It's a prophetic st statement about Jesus. Of course, Rahab was spared, and she actually got into the ancestry of Jesus, if you read Matthew chapter 1. It's pretty cool. So it's a cheerful warfare mindset. It's not a grim mindset. Sometimes people, Christians, take on a spiritual warfare mindset, and it's grim, and it's sour. And it can actually even be mean. But I want, to, I want to remind us that there's a relaxed dimension to this. It's a, it's a labor to enter into rest. And it's a trust in God for the spiritual warfare that we face in our own personal journeys, in our own personal lives. We possess the promised land through a cheerful warfare mindset. And the, there's other battles that continue. Um, that are mentioned through the book of Joshua. 40 years and then, and then um, a time of rest. I love it that it says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. So you see, it's a grace-based warfare. God is giving them the land flowing with milk and honey. It's totally 100% God, but they have to actually do the stepping, the walking. And God blesses what they do what they take by faith, every step, that they faith, every step that they take. It's like your car won't start by itself. You have to turn the ignition on. Then you can drive it. But you have to do that one thing. And we, there's some steps that we have to press into in order to experience the victories that God wants to give us in the spiritual warfare. Now, if you, if you don't want to be engaged in spiritual warfare... I have um, some sad news for you. You are in spiritual warfare anyway. 
definitely draft. If you're a Christian, you're in warfare. In fact, if you're not a Christian, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, you're still in, in warfare, but you are being controlled. In fact, there's a very sobering verse in Ephesians 2, verse 1, where the Apostle Paul tells the Ephesian Christians, as for you guys, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and the, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those that do not believe. So if we're not following King Jesus, we're following the spirit, the ruler of the spirit of the air, the, the spirit of the world, and it's a, it's a, that's a self-destruct way to live. We had two testimonies last night. Many, maybe some of you have this kind of testimony in your life. Two testimonies last night. Uh, a man in his 60s and a young lady in her 20s who shared at our, um, at our worship service last night that they had been following the ways of this world and they had been following the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the enemy of their soul, Satan, had led them into heavy into drugs and it was a tragic, self-destruct way to live. And then they both shared how Jesus Christ broke into their life and gave them deliverance into the, into the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land of the, of the life in Jesus that they're now enjoying, making the Holy Spirit their drug of choice, if you will, turning to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit instead of the, the drugs and um, lifestyle that they were into. It's just pretty amazing uh, beautiful testimony that was shared. I'm going to give an opportunity at the end of this service for you to pray to ask Jesus into your heart and get started in a, in a born-again life in, in Jesus Christ. So you can think about that and consider that and ask yourself, would you like to get started in this walk with Jesus because I wholly, wholly and entirely recommend it and so does God even more importantly. So, the actual verse about the warfare, Joshua 1, verses 1 through 4 read, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your Foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and the, and the Lebanon, this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. Do you get in the picture that it's God who is sovereignly, by his grace, giving this people, this chosen people, a new land that will be theirs forever? Praise God. God's giving the land, but God wants them to fight for it. Fight with him, partner with him. You know, all the way back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God gave garden, the, at the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, a commission to take dominion over the earth. And there's that within us that wants to rise to the occasion and, and have victories. Small victories, big victories. It could be... Um, goals in our life that we're going after, that we include God in, that God is leading us and guiding us and blessing us in. It can be inner goals. It can be character goals. It can be what the Spirit is, is doing inwardly in us, 
that's the spiritual fight. I had uh, Brent and I had such a good time with our four-year-old grandson and and uh, two-year-old granddaughter uh, Friday at uh, Lithia Park, and Luke's not only just learning to ride a bike, which is a one goal after another with training wheels and getting better at that, but also. As soon as we got to Ashland Creek at Lithia Park, he wanted to guess what he wanted to do. He wanted to walk. He was okay with not wading in the, in, the, in the creek, but he wanted to, he said, see those rocks? Show him those rocks. See those rocks, Grandpa? I want to walk across on those rocks. He wanted to achieve that. He wanted to fight for something. So Grandpa helped him walk across the rocks, and we almost slipped once and fell in, but we made it. And uh, it was a great victory for both of us, actually. Would have been kind of hard to explain to Brenda while we got sopping wet. So I'm glad that didn't happen. So goals that we include Jesus in. This is part of the fight. We possess the promised land through a radical and consistent courage. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Uh, God says to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. I love Joshua's courage. And it's like several times, um, four or five times in Joshua 1 and Joshua 2, God tells Joshua, be strong and be of good courage. He must have been tempted to not be courageous because God had to say it several times. But Joshua did experience courage in the past. He's 70 years old when this happens in Joshua chapter 1. When he was 30, he had courage. He was one of the 12 spies that at Kadesh Barnea was was sent along with his friend Caleb and, and 10 other spies to check out the land. This was 40 years previously. And Joshua and Caleb both came back and said, we can do this. There's giants, but man, we, we, we got this. And the others were cowards. And, they, and all of Israel ended up spending 40 years in the desert because they did, did not have courage. And I love it that Joshua is called to courage now. And I love the courage that stayed in Caleb because at this point he's 80 years old. And you know what he says to um, Joshua? Give me the high ground. I want the land where the giants are. That's where me and my friends are going to live. That's what we're going we're gonna to face. That's what we're going to fight for. He had courage. Caleb did. And then he says, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance to the land. It's not just an individual thing. When you and I have a Holy Spirit anointed, Jesus, resurrection Jesus led, Holy Spirit filled and empowered courage, we end up influencing our family and others to follow Jesus as well. The first prophecy that was ever given to me personally in my life was that, Dan, if you will have courage to follow Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you will impact others to follow Jesus and have his joy as well. I never forgot that was a first prophecy. I think I was 18 years old at the time. A very common declaration is one that Joshua proclaims when he's 110 years old. He's 70 when chapter 1 happens, but later on at the end of uh, Joshua, he's 110 years old. And it's a very common uh, uh, declaration of courage. I see it 
on signs on porches a lot when I, when I do home-to-home uh, -home power evangelism. You know, I see all kinds of signs. One time I saw a sign that said, in someone's yard, and it said, on this spot in 1772, nothing happened. <laughs> I saw a sign once, it was on someone's um, wall up on, on outside of their house. It said, a normal person is just someone you don't know very well. <laughs> and then there's a sign, the most, uh, the most common sign I've ever seen is no solicitation. And I've often thought if I ever stopped doing power evangelism home to home, I would go home to home selling no solicitation signs. <laughs> Be a good entrepreneurial opportunity for someone to try that. But a very common one among Christians is this one. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that is a, an anointed courage declaration, a courageous declaration, especially when you're 110 years old and you are anticipating and expecting that at, at the age of 110, you're a grandpa of grandpas here, 110 years old, that God, because of your anointed Holy Spirit life in God, the presence of God you carry, your desire and love for God, that you are going to influence your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-great-great-great, all the way to whatever it is, at 110 years old, me and my house, we're going to serve God. Why? Because I'm so good at 110 at talking my family into serving God? No. It's because of confidence that God's favor and blessing is on the family. And I want to encourage you guys that that level of courage is really, and, and confidence, courage and confidence is so important for the, um, the family members that it seems like they're not serving God right now. Maybe they're not serving God right now, but, that, but to recognize that you're not going to put a period in what is really an incomplete sentence. That's a quote from Jerry Cook. Let's put that quote up there. We must not put a period to what is really an incomplete sentence. Ultimately, God's fingerprints will be seen clearly on the finished page. You ever watch a detective show a second time and felt le less anxiety because you knew it was going to turn out okay? I'm telling you, God in his word says it's going to turn out okay. And no matter what's going on right now in your own personal journey, when it seems like there's, there's difficulties that are insurmountable, you know what? The invitation is to recognize we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, that I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope, hope in the future, that the best years are ahead, and that not to, in your own heart, in your own mind, with reference to your family members or anyone else, put a period where God is saying, it's not over, I'm still at work. It's an incomplete sentence still. God's fingerprints will be seen clearly on the finished page. Point three, talking point. We possess the promised land through the blessing of the Bible. Listen to what uh, God says about the Bible in verse seven of Joshua one. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do every, according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. 
blessing of the Bible is prosperity. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I love it that, it's, that the, the promise of prosperity is on this verse if we put the Bible first, if we go after the values of the Bible, then we will prosper. That's the promise of the Bible. And it doesn't even say to pray for prosperity, although I believe in other places it, that we can declare it. I mean, Psalm 1 says, if you're planted by rivers of water, everything you will do will prosper. So we, we pray and declare that over ourselves and, our, and over our family. But this says it's not even God that brings prosperity. It says you will make your way prosperous. So there's ways of relating to the Bible and humility and honor of the book that brings prosperity inwardly in our families, in our communities, and just our whole uh, pilgrimage with God. Four, we possess the promised land through a dynamic and divine friendship. It's not a distant faith, it's a friendship. Joshua listened to his friend God. God spoke to him. He, you know, someone said prayer, uh, prayer is talking to God. Well, prayer is also God talking to us. It's a, it's a relationship. It's a, it's a dynamic give and take. There's traffic with God. And there's a, there's a, a life of relationship with God. And it's about being God's friend. We know Abraham was called the friend of God three different times. We know Jesus, that, that uh, Moses himself um, spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Let's put uh, Exodus thirty-three eleven up there. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp. But his friend Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So here's Moses, he's in the tabernacle. He's experiencing friendship with God, face-to-face -face talking with God. And then everybody is at their own tent watching it. And the, the, the splash effect, you might say, of the glory of God, uh, the, the anointing of the Spirit is on them at the, as they stand in front of their own tents and experience God when Moses is going after God. But Joshua, what's he do when Moses comes out of the tent? He stays in the tent. He loves the presence of God so much. He stays in the tent the tabernacle, and um, this is a friendship with God that, that Joshua developed as a young man. Jesus said, I don't call you servants, I call you friends, and I love it that, the, that Heshua, the Hebrew uh, word for Joshua, is translated Joshua, uh, into the New Testament is translated um, Jesus, which then in, in the history of the etymology of the word goes into Spanish, Jesus, which goes into English, Jesus. So Heshua um, is, is a, symbolically in, in um, prophetic uh, symbolism is a Joshua who helped the children of Israel experience the land flowing with milk and honey. Jesus is helping us experience the land flowing with milk and honey in our lives. He's committed to it and we're partnering with him in our life journey to see it realized. Last talking point, five. We possess the promised land through rehearsing our very positive God moments. God has given each one of us in the journey of our life, in our warfare journey of life, our cheerful, 
happy, victorious. And even when we have setbacks, we forgive ourselves, move forward again. God is always relating us to us um, according to the, the future, no matter how. God is always helping us to see the next right decision. God is always helping us to see the next right decision, no matter how wrong the last one was that we made. He always is doing that for us. He's always helping us to make the next right decision, no matter how wrong the last one was that we might have made. He's always picking us up, brushing us off, saying, let's go forward right from here, right from today. Mercy is fresh every single morning. That's God in our journey uh, with Jesus. He's awesome. We rehearse our very positive God moments. Look at this. We're, we're, We're fast forwarding 40 years. Joshua is now 110, and he prophesies to Israel. It came to pass, verse 1, Joshua 23, a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua was old, advanced in age, and Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. You have seen all the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God, he who has fought, for you. For the Lord your God is He who has fought for you. So, what is God, Joshua saying prophetically is all these victories. He goes, actually goes through the list. God was with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and the plagues in Egypt, deliverance out of Egypt, the Red Sea miracle, the feet of the Amorites. Jericho, even to the point of selling, of sending killer hornets ahead to defeat the cities. It's like, wow, we're, that's in the Bible? That's amazing. Killer hornets. But you know what? Um, all these victories are present tense to God, and God is exulting in them and reveling them and cherishing them with regard to these people's history. Because he lives in it. God, God lives in a time-transcendent way. And the great victories that you've had 20 years ago, 40 years ago, if you're older, or 40 minutes ago, whatever victories you are, they're present tense to God, and he wants us to rejoice with him in those victories that he has given us. They can be circumstantial miracles, like the one where I uh, was called of God to go to Mexico for a month with a a couple missionaries in 1974. I had enough money to go, barely. But I was asked to speak at a church. I was 19 years old before I, before I uh, got on the plane. It surprised me. They received an offering. And um, the offering amount at that church came to uh, within $1 of my plane ticket. And that had a big impact on me in terms of a circumstantial miracle. And the guy that counted the money tossed a dollar in. So it was exactly the amount. I like to stir up stuff. I like to go out and say, okay, God, you and me, right now we're going to take an hour. I'm going to try to talk to, to five people about Jesus out on my motorcycle, right, driving around looking for people and seeing who might be available to share the gospel with. Last week I prayed with a gal that had a, a bandage on her hand and she testified it to being, to being healed. It's awesome. Another guy prayed to receive Christ and was so happy that, to be saved last week. In our, in our Zoom small group, a lady with a bladder infection, I, as we prayed for her on, over the Zoom internet um, 
dynamic. There's, we prayed for healing for her. I felt like God healed her in my spirit. I declared it next, next couple days. She went to the doctor. They couldn't find any infection. So, I mean, these are the kinds of things we celebrate and live continually, and it's so important. Bill Johnson put it this way, when we focus on the works of God, the hand of God, when we focus on the works of God, the hand of God, we find that the face of God is not far away. Joshua 24, verse 31, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. That's a, my final thought this morning is that as long as Joshua was there reminding people of the great miracles that they, that they and their parents or grandparents had experienced, as long as the elders were there serving with him, constantly rehearsing the blessings of God, it's not just a matter of whether you want to be a Holy Spirit church or a Holy Spirit type Christian or a Christian that lives by miracles just because it's fun. It's a matter of your personal victory in God because this word says as long as the testimonies kept going, people kept serving God. And when, the test, when Joshua and the elders passed on and they stopped talking about the miracles of God, then you read Judges, the next book, you realize things aren't going so well for Israel because of they stopped the testimonies. It's important for us, our children, to always put the wonders of God before, before our children, our grandchildren, that God's a God of miracles. It's crucial. Let's stand. And for sake of those joining us on channel 11 and 11, anyone here, it might be applied to those joining us from home, through our YouTube channel, I want to give you a chance to start your journey with Jesus in a very simple prayer. Make it easy for everybody. Let's all say this together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I call upon you to save me right now. Cause me to be born again. Please forgive all my sins and come into my heart right now. I am saved. I am born again. I am on my way to heaven because I have Jesus Christ in my heart. Now, we don't operate by feeling. We operate by faith in the facts. God says three times, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. You just did that, so who's saved? You are. Born again, born from above. So here's the deal. For follow-up, contact a Christian friend that you respect. They've been praying for you anyway. They'll help you to, to uh, be discipled in your personal friendship with Jesus so you'll enjoy Jesus more and more and more. Put your hands on your heart, friends, as I declare this prayer over all of us right now. We, God, thank you that we are possessing the promised land through cheerful warfare mindset, through a radical and consistent courage, through the blessing of the Bible, 
through our friendship with you, and through a constant rehearsing of our very, very positive, personal, and together God moments, and the testimony of your goodness and miracles in the Bible, which are ours as well. We praise you and we thank you, God, that you are leading us to still waters and green pastures, restoring our souls. You are a good, good shepherd. You're a good, good God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, friends. Have a super week.